Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You are looking live. A tradition unlike any other. What is this? It's the sports report? Sports report? Sp- sports are good. Sports, sports, sports. Football, soccer, golf, tennis, hockey, baseball, sports. Can you say the sports report? The sports report. The sports report. The sports report. This is the sports report. Sports. That's a terrible idea. Hello and welcome to Volume 4 of the Sports Report, brought to you by Opinions Anonymous. We've got a great show for you this week, but let's start with some introductions. With me tonight is our sports expert, Joe. Joe, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you, Luke? Good, thanks. And also joining us from the lovely state of Michigan, Alex. What's up, Al? Hey, not a whole lot, Luke. How you doing? Good. We've got some good topics to cover. So without further ado, let's jump into our first one. The Angels honored their late pitcher Tyler Skaggs last week when the entire team wore number 45 jerseys. How did the game go? Well, the Angels pitchers decided to combine for a no-hitter and the most recent amazing sports moment. Today, we're going to talk about some of our favorite sports moments. What sports moments will you guys always remember or stick out when we talk about great sports moments? This one has less sentimental value, but more of just kind of uh, kind of a lesser-known player kind of make the big play. Uh, I think David Tyree catching the football against his helmet in uh, the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I think that that's one that I feel like will live on forever. However, the Probably the coolest sports moment that didn't actually happen in a sporting event was, I think every time ESPN shows Jim Valvano's uh, SB speech, um, I feel like no matter how many times I see that, that's something that I'll always watch, and it still gives me cold chills and kind of makes me tear up a little bit just because it's truly from the heart, and uh, I think everyone can relate to it at least at some point. So I guess I'll get your guys' thoughts on those and then let you guys go on. Well, I know the speech is for any sports fan that Jim Valvano's speech is one that you've – I feel like you have to watch it once a year. I think it's it's really good. And a lot of these moments, too, are made bigger because of outside influences. Obviously, like this Tyler Skaggs thing, like, there have been several combined no-hitters thrown, but with it coming in the situation that it did magnified it a thousand times and it it is really really cool that that happened it was the first game after he passed they all wore his jersey his mom throughout the first pitch like it's it's just really cool all that coming together um and what i what i don't like about what the media does is they try too hard like i saw somewhere um they're like oh they um i do get that the last time a no hitter was thrown in the state of California was the day he was born. Okay, that's that's kind of cool. Um, that's actually really cool. But I saw another one where it's like they scored seven runs in the first inning on like twenty two hits, or and they like made it out to be like it was bir- his birthday was seven thirteen or what. Like they just tried way too hard. It's like it's pretty cool the way it is. Yeah. Leave well enough alone and just don't try too hard. But no, this was a really really cool moment. The David Tyree catch, that's awesome. You, I mean, it's one of those plays you always remember. Like, you don't even have to say any more than the David Tyree catch, and we all know exactly what you're talking about. That one didn't really have any, like, outside circumstances other than it happened in a Super Bowl and it knocked off uh, um, the first potential undefeated team since the 72 Dolphins. Um, but, yeah, that's a play that I'll, I'll always remember. Yeah, I agree with the Jimmy V speech. Definitely one that I love watching and I always remember. Mine are going to be a little out of the ordinary, and it's more or less a common theme. But I guess said simply, any of the E60 stories that they do, usually those, like, I mean, those are really great sports moments. But two of them that, that jump out that I'll remember for probably a long time, I guess it's been 13 years already, but a... Uh, kid with autism got put into the basketball game and 
he was the manager for the team and suddenly he hit six threes and scored 20 points in like a four minute span. And it was pretty cool to see that happen in a high school game. And another one, a college softball player, uh, Sarah Tukolsky hit her first ever home run. And as she turned to swing, she, or turned to around first, I think she actually tore her ACL and she literally could not walk. And the other team ended up carrying her around the bases and, you know, they, they won the game. So it's moments like that that I really think of that. Another one is David Ortiz as soon as the, or the game after the Boston bombing happened where he gets on the mic and really talks about it. So nothing like crazy happened during the game, but those moments are great. And it's, it sucks that sometimes something bad has to happen for a cool moment to happen, but it's why we love sports so much because there are a ton of these stories out there. If you look in smaller towns, like the, the couple that I mentioned, but really cool sports stories. I think the, the ones that you see, like I said, on E60 are the ones that I really enjoy watching the most. Yeah. And I think it speaks volumes to what sports can mean. I know a lot of times they, they get kind of the, the reputation. Oh, or, like, oh, it's just sports. It's just a game. Well, sometimes it's, it's not just a game. Like you said, after the Boston bombing, with what Ortiz was able to do there um, after nine 11, the like sports brings everybody together and gives them a, yeah. I don't know, some, some unity, some, a, a little, a brief escape from the, from the real life. Um, and like, and the sportsmanship of to carry the, the person across realize like at sometimes it is just a game and there are things more important than, than sports, but sports can symbolize the, the unity and, um, it just bring people together and it's it's amazing how strong sports can be yeah you're exactly right sports as much as we bitch about it and we'll get there in a minute but sports can be so good and so bad but when it's good and the terms of doing something great it, it's awesome to see because i think the media sometimes can can portray things so negatively as well so sometimes it's a nice break you can't turn on the six o'clock news without seeing drugs and shootings and all this stuff so a great moment in sports combines two things that we love we love seeing good things and we love sports so i think that's why it's so meaningful yeah and i completely agree the, the ones that come to to my mind are um kind of the front of my mind is is tyler trent and the uh um, him being there for the when purdue beat ohio state who was ranked number two at the time i mean that's that's one i felt like and again that's something that was that's bigger than sports when you had terminal cancer and um his his clock was ticking and he got to see his team win one more big game um another one was in 2003 brett Favre, the day after his dad died on monday night football threw for 399 yards and four touchdowns and i can't fathom losing your father and then turn around and be able to play a game like that you'd almost just have to be numb and another one is uh 2010 dallas braden um, through a perfect game for the Oakland A's on Mother's Day. Um, and it was somewhat significant because his grandmother was there and that's who raised him after his mother died of cancer. So a lot of things just kind of aligned there. And and it's not like he was a perennial Cy Young candidate either. He just, it was, I hate to say it was random, but it was kind of just a random guy throwing a perfect game on Mother's Day and had that, had those other things kind of hanging over it. So, and those are moments that's just like, again, there are things more important than sports, but sports kind of magnified the, um, the feeling of those events. Totally agree. And you mentioned Tyler Trent and one close to, you know, maybe the Cincinnati area, but Lauren Hill came to mind as well when, when I was thinking about these things. Yeah. And Alex, since you, you threw one in there that didn't have anything to do with these, um, less fortunate situations going on around the game. One game that I always remember exactly where I was, what I was like, where I was sitting was when Boise State beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl with a Statue of Liter- Liberty play, the uh, the hook and ladder, like the guy, the running back proposed to his girlfriend who was a cheerleader right after the game. Like, I remember that like it was last week. That was, that's one that sticks out to me and not just a moment, but a game in general. Yeah, and I think getting it, getting to kind of back to what we were talking about, another one that kind of sticks out because of an unfortunate moment was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, Mike Piazza, the first game after 9-11, he hit a home run that was in the middle of the game. It really didn't have, like, it wasn't like a walk-off or anything like that. But 
just watching the entire New York fan base after he hit that, it was like they had won the World Series. And you see fans from both teams just reaching over, hugging each other. It's pretty incredible what sports can do for us to kind of bring us together when it's really, if nothing else, just a distraction from what's going on in the real world. But yeah, I agree with you on the Boise State-Oklahoma game. That's another one that sticks out in my mind about just purely just from a sports perspective, kind of moments that stick out that for some reason or another will always be remembered, uh, obviously, depending on what side you were, whether it's positive or negative. But I think uh, all fans alike will be able to have that kind of memory kind of ingrained in their mind. Yeah, those are some great sports moments that we really love and that we'll always remember. But not everything in sports are always so great. So we're going to jump straight into our sports report top three. And tonight we're going to do our top three sports pet peeves. And this can deal with sporting events or fans or anything sports related. So, Alex, why don't you kick off and and talk about your top three sports pet peeves? Okay, yeah, I think uh, we were talking about this after last week's pod about uh, different things that really just kind of irk us a little bit about sports in general, at least right now. Um, Probably number three on my list would be instant replay in general. Do I think it's a good idea? Yes. Do I think it takes way too long to figure out the right answer? Yes. Too many times we have several minutes pass us while referees or umpires alike sit there and try to figure out what's going on. Um, And really, it just kind of detracts from the the actual game and sometimes it's almost better just to have the human error in the game than it would be to kind of totally pause the game to move on um so that's probably number three number two one of the big pet peeves i have in national football league is why in the hell do we call the dallas cowboys the america's team um i know we grew up kind of a little bit later than when they were good but my goodness i every time they call them america's team it just kind of Bugs me a little bit. And for my number one pet peeve in sports, the NBA draft. And not just the draft, but when you have trades that go on prior to the draft, especially involving draft picks, that prime example this year, DeAndre Hunter uh, got drafted number four overall by the L.A. Lakers. It was known beforehand he was going to go to the Atlanta Hawks. He walks up on stage to shake Adam Silver's hand, and what hat does he have to put on? The L.A. Lakers, knowing full well he will never suit up for them, at least not right now. It's like the NBA can't figure out a way to end the uh, league year prior to the NBA draft so we can get this right and quit making 18, 19, 20-year-old guys walk up there, put on the incorrect hat, and forever get those pictures saved for the hat they don't have. It's like, come on, guys, you can buy extra hats. You can put on the correct team that you're actually going to just to make sure that that's a, a lasting memory, not just a, oh, hey, you hypothetically were on this team for maybe a week before the actual end of the NBA year ended. Well, and I feel like they have they have two options there, and they're not exercising either one. First off, what's a hat have to do with with basketball like don't even wear one because half the time it's wrong i completely agree don't don't put the wrong hat on just don't put one on <laughs> or just get a generic nba one to put on to i guess as almost like you're turning the tassel but you're just putting a hat on saying hey i got drafted you can take a picture with it but yeah i agree do not do not allow people to put the hat on that they're not even drafted by let's start a movement to get rid of the hat thing altogether. all right we can do it <laughs> agree. I will say the one thing that the NBA draft does have is, and probably the NFL does too, is where these players go up there super amped up and they either chest bump, like I think uh, is, in, is an NFL player this year that about knocked Roger Goodell over when he tried to chest bump him, or just seeing their like pure raw emotion just come out. I uh, that's pretty awesome. Or or I think it was Zion this year after he got drafted number one overall. Sometimes with sports, you kind of forget how crazy it is that these, in all reality, kids, 19-year-old guy, Zion Williams, gets drafted, and he breaks down in tears as he's talking about his mom afterwards. I mean, it's just kind of a surreal moment where it's like, okay, you kind of put it into perspective. It's like we watch these guys play on ESPN week in, week out, and then all of a sudden when they get interviewed, you kind of see that, hey, this, this guy 
we were his age one time and you can't try to put yourself in his position and it's just a kind of a crazy moment. So while there are, are some flaws, there's also some awesome moments that are captured uh, with the uh, different drafts. So Joe, uh, what are your kind of top three pet peeves? I'll go with my top three here. I My number three is TV timeouts. I hate that the games <laughs> have have gone to geared so much, been so monetized that we have to have, for instance, in college basketball, every four minutes we have to stop for commercials. Um, and it's one thing when you're watching the game from like on TV and stuff, but when you actually go to a game, it kills the momentum of it. Um, I, I hate the TV timeouts. Number two, and I'm going to specify like, but I, Major League and Major League Baseball, like the bat flip and how a pitcher will get ticked off when a batter does a bat flip after he hits a home run. You know, there's one good way to make sure that they don't flip their bat, and that's to not let him hit a home run. So if if a batter wants to flip their bat and jog around the bases, that sh- that should be allowed, not frowned upon or whatever. Just like when they. Um, the pitcher strikes him out. He should be able to hoop and holler whatever he wants to do. Whatever, like celebrate it. Yeah, do it. Like me, power. Now, now, don't get crazy. Don't don't start talking about people's mamas and stuff. But <laughs> if if you want to get excited, get excited. That's fine. And and just don't complain about. It. And it goes for other sports too. Like I don't mind some trash talking, but if you're gonna talk trash, you got to be able to take it back. Um, it's not like we're yeah. we're in elementary school out here trying to teach sportsmanship. Like these are grown men out there playing a game for a living. And then a guy hitting a home run, maybe the difference of him getting a, uh, maybe the difference in his contract the next year too. Like they're they're all playing for something. I should have done something because I, I 1,000% agree. And I think it was Chad Johnson who always said, hey, you don't want me to celebrate? Don't let me score. Don't let me in that end zone if you don't want me celebrating because if I get in there, you are going to hear about it. But yeah, stop me. You don't want me to celebrate? Why don't, why don't you do something about it? Oh, for sure. And my number one is uh, professional all-star games. Like, they're worthless. Like, wh- why do we even do them? Because we, we have fan votes anyway. Like, I'm surprised Kobe Bryant didn't get voted to the uh, NBA all-star game this past year. Because somebody can be out or Dwayne Wade will probably get voted this year. I don't know. Yao but, Ming. Yeah, people get voted. Yeah, Yao Ming. Because all of China that votes, votes for Yao Ming. Um I think that's dumb. I think there's no effort in them. I mean, I, I kind of get the Pro Bowl. Nobody wants to get hurt. Like, I I kind of get that. But let's just let's just not even do it. Like, if we want to do some sort of, like, player, coach, media votes to see who would be the all-star, that's fine. But unless you're actually going to play the game to win or lose. Like, like the MLB All-Star game, way back in the – way before our time, used to be go- good because – these guys got excited to play with the best players and it's just not that anymore, which is like we talked last week, why I like the Ryder Cup so much. They actually care. They play their best and and it's game on. So I, I just hate professional all-star games. So hear me out, NFL and NBA. I, I know this is going to sound crazy, but would you guys rather watch the best players in the NFL or NBA? Do you like a... I don't know, maybe some kind of weird sequence where they play cornhole against each other or can jam, maybe some beer pong, some table tennis, and have some fun, do some fun interviews. That's going to be more entertaining than the games they play, right? Agreed. I think uh, one example of this was instead of the MLB All-Star game, let's play a serious game of Dizzy Bat. (laughs) Get some of those players out there chugging some beers, trying to hit some beer cans, and let's see what actually happens when you put a, a real-life situation out there. Well, it's completely similar wow. to the obstacle course that the, they do at the Pro Bowl now. That's fun to watch when they play they play dodgeball yeah. and run through with a gauntlet and stuff. That's fun to watch. Just do a bunch of that random shit, and we're going to like it ten times more than the game. I, I agree. I think some type of skills competition where it's like, hey, you're – most likely not going to get hurt. You don't have to play the actual game. Think about the NBA. What's the primetime Saturday night events? It's the skills competition, the three-point competition, and the dunk contest. Like, has nothing to do with the game. The actual game is garbage, but do some fun stuff. 
And we'll love it. NBA is a perfect example of that. The All-Star Game is the fourth best thing that they, maybe even fifth if you count the uh, skills comp and the they do like that shot thing where they shoot from around the court and then the three-point contest or the half court. It, it's it's entertaining. Do that stuff. The All-Star Game is the fifth best thing they do all weekend. And how awesome would it be if you actually had the best dunkers in the league actually dunking? Like why has LeBron never done a dunk contest? Like, Get the best guy. Get Giannis, LeBron. I don't know. Just get the best four dunkers, five dunkers in the league, and and how awesome would that be? Yeah, totally agree. Or even like something mix it up. Even if you want to do like one year and do like a, and kind of like a trick shot, like almost like a horse competition, yeah. where it's like, hey, if you want Steph Curry shooting from the stands, okay, well if he hits one, guess what? You got to match it. Okay, well. Just do something like that to kind of mix it up. Because, again, the All-Star game, especially in the NBA, where it's, oh, it winds up being 168 to 164, and so-and-so gets 40 points because there's no defense. No one really cares about that because no one's out there actually trying hard. It's just basically like a uh, almost like a Sunday pickup league game where no one wants to get hurt. They're just out there to kind of show off a little bit, put their time in, get recognized as an All-Star, and do their thing. One thing I love is in the Pro Bowl thing is when they do, they basically play horse, but it's kickers. Like they're not just kicking from the field though, but they go up into like the, they go into the stands or they'll go uh, back behind some net or something. They'll try to kick these field goals from. They'll bake them in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. They should hire us. We're, we're geniuses. You imagine Pat McAfee doing like some kind of punning competition. I don't care if he'd even win. I think it'd just be hilarious just to watch him out there just shit-talking everybody else. <laughs> yeah, do you have that contact I, information for the yeah, NFL and the NBA to get a hold of us for ideas, I right? think so. I, they have me blocked, but I'll I'll use a burner phone. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll jump into my top three. Joe, you mentioned uh, part of this, but every, everything is overpriced. I feel like I go to a game, which I go to a lot of sporting events games, and you know I want to go get a piece of pizza and a drink while I'm enjoying the game, and it's $67. And I'm like, come on. I'm here to enjoy. I just hate that everything is monetized. Everything is expensive, and I get it. They have to pay for the stadium, but I, they could play in somebody's backyard, and I'd be just as happy. Let's not worry about having a ridiculously stupid stadium that all the taxpayers have to pay for. Let's just let's just enjoy it a little bit and not be all about the money. Number two for me is fans attending games wearing other uniforms or people wearing their quote-unquote favorite team uniform of like a tainted player. So I go to a lot of Bengals games and people show up with Carson Palmer jerseys. And I'm like, do you hate the Bengals? Because if if you're wearing that, I assume you're like a fan of the other team, right? Just wear just wear an orange shirt or a black shirt. Wear a gray shirt. Wear like no shirt. I don't get. Don't wear a Carson Palmer jersey ever in the Bengals stadium. Like you're not a fan if the latest jersey that you have is a Carson Palmer jersey. Pink jerseys, get them the fuck out. I don't want to see a pink jersey. Don't wear pink. If you're a girl, they have like really nice, cute shirts. Okay, don't get a pink jersey. But don't wear a jersey of somebody who left on bad terms. It literally makes you the like your arrival at that point. So what if somebody wears a pink Carson Palmer yeah. jersey? It's just it's a fight. I got I got a little more heated there than I thought. Maybe that should be number one. I don't know, but I can't wait to hear number one. <laughs> My number one is the over coverage of people or teams for no reason. And not it kind of turns into non-gameplay taking away from gameplay. So this is the media. The media is so freaking ridiculous and stupid. I mean, you hear about, like this year, you hear about LeBron all the time. The Lakers didn't even make the playoffs. The, the person you heard about the most if you turn on ESPN is LeBron. We shouldn't be talking about LeBron. The best example of this is Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods got in trouble a few years ago for spitting on the green. There's like a hundred golfers every single tournament who spit on the green. They just don't have the camera on them. And maybe it's disrespectful, you know, okay, don't spit on the green, spit, spit on the fringe, I guess, next time, Tiger. Uh, his life in general, okay, so he, 
he was unfaithful to his wife and that's really tragic and I would never support like that. I I understand that. But it's in the public eye constantly. Like that's thrown at you all the time, all the time, all the time. He can't do anything. Like fifty percent of the United States gets a divorce, but you don't see the media talking about them every single day. I think that athletes need their time. And the other thing is they'll say, Well, Tiger Woods should be a role model. You know, he's a role model. That's why we have to do this. Athletes are not role models. Are we just now figuring out that athletes should not be role models? These people are some of the biggest loose cannons in the world. Maybe there's a couple of good ones that could be role models, but let's not view athletes as role models. Let's just view them as people. Some of them, maybe. I mean, it's just like some of your teachers in high school were probably role models, and some of them you're like, dude, that guy was a little bit crazy. Okay, so what media overexposure is my number one biggest pet peeve in all of sports. Yeah, uh, the Arizona Cardinals didn't draft Kyler Murray number one this year because they expect him to be a good role model. They think yeah, he's going to be a good exactly. football player. So I agree that let's not expect him to be role models. They, they might end up being a good role model. Like there's good ones out there. Like J.J. Watt would be one that my kid wants to be just like J.J. Watt. I'd be fine with that. But uh, yeah. don't don't expect just because they're a professional athlete in the public eye that that they're suddenly a role model. If my kid wants to be like Ray Rice, I'm going to have to have a talk with him. Yeah. Uh, no, but speaking of the Tiger Woods thing, I remember this was probably last year. It was one of the tournaments last year before he had like won anything or like really like quote unquote gotten back to uh, relevance. He was hitting balls on the driving range as the first wave was out. There's 50 golfers on the course. The camera is not on the course. It is on Tiger Woods hitting driving range balls with the shot tracer on his driving range shots. Like, I was so mad that I even told my wife, who doesn't give a lick about golf, I w- I've fed her ear up on what I thought about that. And Joe, I actually was watching that same tournament, and I was literally told Hannah the same thing. It's like, I don't even really care that much about golf, but I'd at least like to watch real golf and not somebody out there just hacking away on the driving range. Yeah, and there's some good but- golfers out there. It's not like he's the only one. I mean, we went to the PGA oh, yeah. last year, as you know, and <laughs> it's like, you know, we went and we found a spot and it was like, okay. And then we were trying to leave and there's uh, probably 50,000 people. I mean, there were 120,000 people there when we were there. So when I say 50,000 people, I'm really not exaggerating. Like right, right while we were trying to leave and we're like, what the hell is going on? Tiger Woods was on the practice screen. So um which was right by the exit and you just you couldn't leave it's like guys come on uh we're just trying to make the last bus back to our car can we uh can we squeeze through here for a minute but yeah i i, I mean i get it so that, i mean he brings in the sports but or brings in the money for the sport but you gotta let these people have lives too yeah he has done wonders for the sport though like there is such thing as a tiger effect that that it hits through the whole industry from from merchandise to actual people playing golf to watching it. He does have a huge effect on it, and I can't even completely explain why. It, he, because there have been really good golfers since yeah. that just they don't gravitate towards. And it's not like he's a good personality. He's a dick. But he, he's <laughs> got to find a little bit of humility now since he's obviously uh, – <laughs> he's he's fucked up one too many times. Skeletons <laughs> have uh, <laughs> fell out of the closet. Yeah, but he has so, been good for the game. So one question I have for you guys, try, not trying to change the subject, but kind of just veering off a little bit. And you guys can probably guess how I feel about it based on what we're talking about right now. But what do you think about like in-game interviews with coaches? Or uh, I know the MLB All-Star Game mic'd up some players this year during the game. Uh, what do you what do you kind of think about that? Where it you kind of take away the players or take away the coaches from what they should be focused on just to get a little media attention? What's your guys' thoughts on that? In professional sports, I'm completely fine with it. I think that that is they're in the entertainment industry, and that's part of their entertainment, part of their brand. I also think that like the head coach of an NBA team. They have like 16 assistant coaches that are actually coaching them, so uh, coaching the team. So I don't think it's a big deal, especially like uh, I know a common thing on ESPN is they will um, interview a manager during one of the innings or something, like really what kind of decisions are going on like at that moment. So as long as it's a dead ball and stuff, I don't really care. I mean, the miking up, 
I think it's kind of cool to hear that kind of stuff, but you can't do it live because, or either that, or you're going to have to put the big, uh, put the E for explicit next to the thing or make it pay-per-view. If you do that with those professional athletes, cause like we said, they're not role models, but for professional sports, I'm fine with it. Uh, amateur sports, not so much. I will argue one thing. I think that the people they should be miking up are like Brian Scalabrini. And I'll tell you why, because in freshman basketball, I guarantee that no two people had more fun when I played than me and Kevin Lancer sitting on the bench. So we should have been mic'd up for our conversation. We never got to play. Like You don't have to worry about that. But our conversations on the bench were way better than anything you would hear in the game. We need to mic up the right players. Yeah, you're essentially a sideline yeah, reporter with exactly. more Yeah. It's like... Uh, yeah. Hey, Luke, you're going in. Oh, oh shit. shit. Me? Coach, no, 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 no. You need to rethink <laughs> this. No, I agree for the most part. I just think sometimes they try to overdo it. Although, one in particular that I love when they ask him questions in game and even after game is Popovich. Uh, his responses are typically priceless because it's kind of like these reporters are out there just trying to do their job, asking the, the basic questions, and he kind of just gives that, that dry, dull, like, come on, man, kind of qu- response to these like, hey, you know the answer. Why are you asking this question? I'm trying to do a job here. Something like, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. We're on to yeah, Cincinnati. Thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking about golf a little bit there, and obviously this weekend we have Thursday actually starting. We have the Open Championship, and we were going to give a little preview, but... Joe, our expert in everything, you came up with a great idea, Joe. So what are we going to do instead of talking about the Open? Okay, so we're going to assign each of us 20 fictitious dollars to bet on any bets we want for this Open Championship. Um, you can split them up however you want. You can make as, however many bets you want. I, um, I would say a minimum of a dollar per bet. You can use all 20 or you can only bet a dollar. You have to make a bet. We're gonna we're gonna trust everybody to find uh, odds somewhere out there on their favorite sports book because there's a lot out there because we can bet that you have the option of betting the winner, you can bet somebody get top ten, top five, make the cut, miss the cut. Uh, there's a lot of head to heads. You can do the best player from a particular region. So with that being said, Luke, do you have any any bets you want to throw out there first? We can we can maybe go back and forth, yeah. or um, I don't know how many bets you think you're going to make. We may even find something next week. Keep try maybe try to keep a running total to see if we were betting how how much we would make, or if we lose them, we'll just that's almost like saving money since we're not yeah. actually making the bets. I I I should have thought through this and known there was a jeopardy aspect where I didn't have to bet all my money. No, I'm going all in. I'm making 17 bets, so I'm going to run through them pretty quickly. S- 17 bets. I have nine people to win. So if one of these people win, then I'm already in good shape and I feel like I can beat both of you guys. But And you said Rory, Rory's plus 900? He's plus 850. 850, okay. So if he wins, not necessarily. Well, well, yeah. All right, so I have... Rory, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, Justin Rose, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, and at 20,000 to one, Brian Harmon. And I thought this was weird because I'm like, Brian Harmon, he, I mean, he does decent in tournaments. So then I, I tried to find a top 10 for him and a top five for him, and he, he didn't exist. So I was really confused. So then I Googled it, did a little research. He got added in today as we're recording. Uh, because Charles Howell the third withdrew. So Brian Harmon's playing house money. He's going to win. I'm betting one dollar on each of these people, and he's going to win me two hundred. Well, he had a decent showing last week, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been he playing had well. Twenty last week. Yeah. So uh, Brian Harmon to win for the championship. Uh, the other bets I have are Francesco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood to just tie to tie after seventy two holes. I feel like I've got a a good shot there. That's one dollar to win sixteen. I I googled like prop bets just to see like what was cool out there, so I didn't have to bet to win. And there was this big article about Kiradek off a of barn rat to like do a bunch of stuff, and I thought it was a really weird article. So 
I bet a buck to for him to make the cut. I'll I'll win a dollar and five cents. Uh, Siwoo Kim to make the cut. I feel like that's a given. I'll win a buck fifty. Corey Connors. I was really into the Corey Connors story when he won the Monday qualifier and then ended up winning the tournament. Kissed his wife. It was really great. So a buck seventy five if if he does. Uh, the region of the winner. This is my biggest bet. I have four dollars on the region of the winner. Of course, I'm going USA. I mean, we're we're off the Women's World Cup win. The USA is hot. Uh, will there be a playoff? Uh, I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to say yes. There's there's going to be a playoff. I'm, I'm betting a buck to win three. A hole in one at the open? No, no hole in one to win a dollar ten. And the margin of victory. This kind of contradicts what I said for a playoff, but I'm going two strokes exactly <laughs> for a dollar bet to win three fifty. So I, I'm all over the place. I have twenty dollars out there on seventeen bets, and I can't wait to see how this pans out. So on the, could you possibly win if there's a playoff and somebody wins that playoff by two? Do you win? Both I bets? think so. I think so. I, I, I because I believe the playoff for the open is uh, an eighteen. Yeah, actually, playoff. I don't think it's. Uh, I think it's eighteen holes on Monday. I think you're right, but I don't think that's the case because one of the options was a playoff. So it's like playoff one stroke exactly, two strokes exactly. So you do realize that only one player can win. So those first however many nine bets. Technically, even if one wins, you're probably only breaking even. Uh, I would agree, but... That's only true for the top two, yeah. though. Because I'm sure Kepler's got to be close to plus 900. He, he's got to be close Alex, to... Alex, I mean, what do, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you have on your tray that's going to beat me? Well, uh, Joe, you almost hit it nail on the head. I'm probably going to bet $10 on Brooks Kepka at plus 1,000, so 10 to 1. Uh, and then uh, I took two different approaches. Uh, one, I saw that uh, Phil Mickelson decided to do a hard reset and uh, slimmed down for this. And he fasted for, I think, uh, six days, losing like 15 pounds. I feel like he's going to be in good shape. So at minus 205, I'm going to put $5 on him to make the cut. And then the other flyer I'm going to take is Andrew Beef Johnson to make the top <laughs> 20. 10 to 1. I have no <laughs> idea who this guy is, but he's going to win me 50 bucks to finish in the top 20. And uh, I'm going to brag about it for the next couple of weeks to you guys. <laughs> the Beef. He's still sponsored by Arby's, isn't he? He's got to be. I actually love the guy. Alex, if you've never seen him, he's... About John Daly's weight, and he has a huge beard. He's great. Everybody, kind of like Luke Combs ish, just bit, a yeah, bit. real seriously, but better at golf. Yeah, much. I'm sure he's much better. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm much simpler than you guys. I only did three bets. Well, you're hold on, Joe. You are absolutely correct. That beard is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Get your okay, lunch sorry. pot in that thing and eat it, eat the rest for a snack later. All right, so I've got. Uh, I'm going to start off with a head-to-head one. I've got um, putting five dollars on Aaron Wise, even money to beat Jim Furyk. Um, Jim Furyk was minus one thirty, but I took Aaron Wise at even money. I'm going to put another five on the best finish of a former winner of the Open to be Rory. That's plus one seventy-five. Put five dollars on that. And then my last one is I'm putting ten dollars on Rory to finish in the top ten. That's minus one twenty-five. Can't tell. I feel like Rory's going to do pretty well. We have twenty-three-ish bets to watch for the weekend, so it should be an interesting four days. Hopefully, hopefully we win some money, and you know next week maybe we'll bet on something else that's a little fun. Did we we're all bet? All twenty bucks. Yeah, everybody's in for all twenty. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize there was a caveat. Next week, I'm betting a dollar, and I'm keeping nineteen, and assuming you guys will suck. So, oh yeah, that's no fun. <laughs> no, it's not. All right, so we're all right, gonna no, seriously, seriously pick a winner. Who do you think's gonna win? <sighs> uh, Ten to one, Brooks Kepka. No, I, I don't. I don't think it's no, Rory. I don't think it's Kepka. Who do you think wins? Do you think it's yeah. Brooks Kepka? I honestly think this time it's going to be somebody outside of the top 10. I 
I don't know that it's going to be Patrick Cantley, but I feel like it's going to be somebody in that caliber, like a Patrick Cantley, Tommy Fleetwood type, somebody that's, you know, maybe in that top 20 range. But if you're going to pin me down, I'm going to say I, I, I'll go with Cantley to win. You hit mine. I'm going, I was going to go Fleetwood. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be in somebody in that tier. I don't think any big name is going to win. Maybe Brian Harmon. Yeah, yeah, possibly. <laughs> I wasn't going to say John Daly, but... <laughs> Wouldn't let him use that damn golf cart. Yeah. If you're scared, just say you're scared. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about today, so you can sign off if you don't want to hear it, but the Ryder Cup oh, was this... Oh, you're going to want to hear this. <laughs> the Ryder Cup was this past weekend at North Branch Golf Course. There's a great article out there, maybe a little biased on one person's opinion. I don't know, but... All three of us played in it. I want to get everybody's thoughts on the – this is only the third annual, right? I'm pretty sure. I, I, if it existed before I started playing, it doesn't count. But the 2019 Ryder Cup. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I was letting you go. <laughs> no, no, no. I want everybody else's. I have like a 4,000-word essay on it. All right. So are we – recapping the whole process that so we have to explain it to the to the people or no i think they get it so yeah just okay. just thoughts if you have do you have a favorite moment a least favorite moment what did you love about it what did you hate anything that you want to talk about all right so luke and i you were both on we were both on team blue team blue which, which uh took home the Ryder cup this year um it was funny to begin with because cole was the was one of the captains and I play with him on league. So I had just been telling him over and over, like, don't pick me, don't pick me because he thinks I'm a lot better than I am. So I was afraid he was going to take me really early. And then that would just screw up the whole strength of the team top to bottom. So I just kept telling him, like, I've never won. I'm bad luck. Do not pick me, which is true. I've, I've actually never won until this year. Well, comes down to it. He takes he he takes the hands down easiest number one pick. He takes takes Dustin, and then it snakes around, and I I don't know exactly. Basically, he took me with either his second or third pick. I don't know exactly what it was, but completely overpicked me again. So not only that, but when it gets to pairing people together, he decides to throw me with him an alternate shot. So I get to play alternate shot with Cole, which. So we're theoretically probably two of our best five or six players on the team. So when you have 16 players on your team, like you, you're supposed to win. Either that or you're burning two of your best golfers just to go down. But we get paired against a good team or whatever. So we par the first hole, the other team birdie, so we're down one. So then we go to the par five, and they've got an old guy on their team, so they get a tee off from like 50 yards ahead of us. So we know we've got our work cut out for this. So on Meadow 2, Cole hits his drive into the creek. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a, a group over there on 3, and I'm standing over there kind of walking back and forth by the creek, and I'm standing on like the T-bed side of the creek, and Cole's got the car, cart parked on the other side, and they yell over the green. He's like, Joe, what are you doing over there? I was like, I'm waiting for my partner to toss me a three-wood and another ball. <laughs> We obviously lose that one. So now we're down two through two. And I hit the best drive I've ever hit on three, probably. We're down there like 50 yards away from the from the green, inside 50 yards probably. There's a creek running in front of it. And there's trees off the side that the other team's in. They've got to punch out. So we're in prime spots. Come back. Hey, okay, we'll get through three. We'll be down one. We'll be fine. He shanks one into the creek. <laughs> we ended up down three through three holes and it was just not. So after I kept telling him not to pick me, it was, it was for sure. I was like, Cole, do not pick. me." So yeah, we ended up losing that one, but it was just kind of fun because he was all excited. And I think he, he got the nerves. I think the nerves went straight to his head. I'm not going to give a big recap because like I said, there's a huge blog out there, opinionsanonymous.com. Check out the blog on the 2019 Ryder Cup. But I will say one thing that was different this year versus last year when I had a miraculous three-point day, led my team to victory, and it was great. This year I got zero points. I, I was drafted in like the middle of the draft, so I think they – 
I was drafted the same round as Mark Lamping, and I ended up playing him in individual. So that tells me that they expected way more out of me this year, and I got zero points. So maybe I should maybe I should have been like the lower half of the back end of the draft. I don't know, but I I think to me this is one of the most fun days of the entire year. I love playing. If you want to know how my rounds went, you guys joked about it, right? When you're on the first tee, you're like, oh, you got your notebook ready. You know, I, I remember every shot. Like, I remember every shot of every hole that I play. And that's kind of any round because I really want to analyze, like, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. I want to get better. But I remember every shot. And I I don't want to say, like, my partners let me down. But the uh, Dwingers, if, you, if you're listening, you you kind of let me down. Papa Joe Dwinger just wasn't there for the scramble. Rookie absolutely destroyed me in alternate shot. And then, you know, I came back on the individual to force a ninth hole and then I I just crumbled under the pressure. So I I'll take I'll take part of the blame. I'll take a third of the blame, I guess. Two thirds of the blame I'll put on the Dwinger clan, but so tell me how rookie so, performed yeah. in the alternate shot. Because in the in the scramble, his his group won in six holes in the scramble. So that led me to think he, he brought his a game, but what happened in the alternate shot? Well, Alex, do you want to talk about the scramble? I was going to say, <laughs> uh, in the scramble, uh, yeah, they, they won in six holes. Uh, Luke, he must've, uh, used up all of his good shots because that dude could not miss the first, uh, first, well, I'd say nine, but six holes we played. Um, so apparently that, uh, sitting out for an hour and a half waiting for everybody else to finish kind of, Maybe uh, took it out of the- uh, rookie. Uh, obviously, as Alex is saying, beat him in six holes. But the the first tee on alternate shot, he, uh, rookie can bomb his driver, which is phenomenal. So he bombs it, and it's quite a bit right, but not too bad. About pin high, I chipped on, and we had a six inch tap in for a birdie. It was great. The other team ran in a twenty five footer, which was demoralizing. But then we went to the second one, and I I drove the ball there. He hit his second shot, and he was in front of the tee bed on three. That's how far left he was. So I was like, okay, like, I'm sure he'll dial it in. On uh, three, he teed off, and he was in four fairway. I'm like, rookie, like, what, what's going on here? You got to dial this in. So on five, he tees off, and he's in the creek. I'm like... Something has got to go on 70 tees off, and he's over in the trees on the right. I, he did not hit a good tee shot the entire time. He did not hit many good shots. I'm like, rookie, you are 10 times better than me at golf, and you're putting me in these weird positions. And, Joe, there's no apologizing an alternate shot. And I had to say I'm sorry about three nope. three times, and rookie said it probably like 17 times. So I, I don't know. I, I hate to pin it on my partner, but I, I'm going to. No, that's funny because I know, like right before we started, I I, I kind of joked to you. I said, "Hey, there's no sorry an alternate shot." Well, that story I said earlier when Cole shanked one into the creek. I said, yeah, I think you should yeah. probably say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, one moment I thought was cool was well, it wasn't really cool, but it was funny. Is okay, so we're on five there. So we're we had just birdied four to finally tie them on a hole. Like it took us <laughs> getting a, playing a nice hole and birding to finally tie. So yeah, we're down. Three with uh, four to go, or five to go. All I hear is, well, somebody on um, <laughs> Meadow Six. I don't know if they went out of bounds or what it was. We said, "Oh, oh, great! Now we're down two with three to go." <laughs> you talking to rookie, and I look at Cole and I'm like, "Well, must not be going well over there." Which I so we're down. We are down two with three to go, and I was like, "We're fine." I, I honestly was not threatened by who we were playing. I was like, we can we can easily win seven. We can win eight. I, I'm confident about it. And then all we have to do is end up winning nine. And it was set up perfectly. Rookie was hitting his tee shot on seven for the par three. I, I'm perfectly fine hitting a tee shot on eight. No threat at all. And rookie's second shot, we should have been great. It was golden. And he just destroys it to the right and not even pin high. Like, it was just down under a tree and i picked my head up i'll take the fault for the chip but he just he wasn't even close the entire time he was we were even playing chicken or higher for every time that he had to say sorry and he was full on the dick the whole time 
So, Alex, you have any interesting stories? Uh, well, I say it was a little bit rough day for me. I didn't get any points for my team, but uh, I will give a shout out to uh, Steve Crow chipping one in or chipping one probably within a foot or two uh, on Meadow Three on alternate shot when he was uh, I stuck him about four inches deep in the mud in the uh, creek right in front of Meadow Three uh, key bit or uh, the green there. So. Shout out to him. Uh, overall, it was a fun day. I agree with you guys. I definitely want to play it again. I don't know if my team will uh, pick me again next year, but uh, it was a it was a good time. Twenty seven holes, a lot of golf for one day when it's that hot out. But uh, overall, good time, and uh, definitely look forward to next year. Oh, and how about how about the big urn and uh, the other Dustin? Beating Joey and Belter and all the it's shot. it's so funny. Dustin and, I guess Dustin and Dad were uh were three under an alternate shot. Yeah. And all due all due respect to the big urn, he's he's not that good of a golfer. So ever the the stars align. They sh- that's that's awesome. It's hilarious. I don't know if this can make the final cut, but Chris, <laughs> I got to play with Big Earn and the individual, and he was still hot coming off that. Like he, he was, he was cruising, <laughs> and I think Kristen was so nervous to face Ernie one on one in the individuals. I mean, it, Kristen is a good golfer; she's playing college, and she is just, she is shanking shots. Like the first three holes, she is so nervous, <laughs> and then she got her, she got her wits together, and she, she ended up beating her dad pretty in like seven seven she holes. Like, Holy hell, they <laughs> yeah. talk about how bad he is. He just beat them. Oh he my gosh. She she was visibly nervous, like hitting shots that she probably has not hit since junior high. And you know, your dad's just doing his thing, teeing off of this driver on bridge one just to hit it out in the middle. Just <laughs> uh, it was great. <laughs> it was actually fun to play with <laughs> driver on two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was fun to play with him. It was a nice change of pace, but uh, good times. I enjoy the Ryder Cup, and uh, this year was no different. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's hard to beat that format. I mean, every time we do a golf trip or do something like it, I always try to get something built up like that because it, it's really hard to beat splitting into two teams and talking shit to everybody else and have the sense of unity with your team. Kind of fun. All right. Well, it's been a fun week here on the Sports Report brought to you by Opinions Anonymous. And uh, we've had a lot of fun talking about this. Next week, I think we might get back into some NBA action. Russell Westbrook traded for Chris Paul to the Rockets. We may talk a little NBA action. And, uh, you know, you can just guarantee we'll have another fun-filled episode. So this week for Alex in Michigan. Alex, appreciate you taking the time to join. For Joe... I've been Luke. Thank you.